want to hear what you were doing. Do it again. Hmm? Your music. Hmm? I'm not kidding. Do it again. All right, let's get it. Yo, I said, what the fuck is up? This my script. Get it? Yo. I said, what the fuck is up? This my script. Get a couple bucks. Get some rubber. That's the shit. Pick a couple up. A 30 box. With the telescope. Get your hubble up. Buckle, buckle up. Buckle up. Man, I do it for my guys. If you this, then you gotta die. That's a simple fact, simple truth. I could never lie. Dios mio, man. If we see your hand, we chop it off. Let me see your chain. Think you got that at the shopping mall by cinema. But a game stop that I shop a lot. of shipping malls from the same spot. Bruh. The Gaddis. Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm not. And this is episode 44. Hello, not Tom Nolan. How was your week? Oh, I'm just, no, just not. <laughs> just... Oh, pretty good. Had a three-day weekend. Yeah. That's one thing people that, without kids get. Indigenous. Three-day weekends. Indigenous, people, indigenous People's Day. Yeah, happy Indigenous People's Day. You know what's so funny, though? I wanted to take the kids to... And it's something I didn't think about until like someone said, "Happy, have a good Indigenous Peoples Weekend." And I was like, "You know what? I should, I should take the kids to like a Native American History Museum." I don't think we, we don't have one, do we? We have a bunch. Do we? And oh. guess what? Well, I guess there's one. They're all closed on Mondays. There's one at Foxwoods. Yeah, oh. which is supposed to be really nice. But there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch even in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island, and they're all closed on Mondays. I mean, I guess it would make sense for them to be closed on. But be open on this on this one specific Monday. You should be open. That's fair. I've mean. There's probably a lot of, you know, guilty liberals like me that want to take their kids to Native American history Ooh, museums. I realize it was that hefty. Um, I'm looking at, looking at our beer for the week. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, We've been talking is, about it for a couple of weeks. It's it rated R. Well, it's rated R. Did you see that? Oh, four. I think it's just... Rated R for rum barrels. barrels. That's stupid. Okay. Two roads. That, that's not smart. It's uh, two roads... You know? Uh, oh, it's rated R because it's... Stratford, yeah. yeah. Um, I get it Rosemary's... Rhodes Mary's Baby. I always forget that. This is a pumpkin strong ale, and I'd say. Not super strong, but 6.8. From somewhere between heaven and ale comes this scary good seasonal. When I was younger, uh, when I first started drinking out... Not younger. When I first started drinking out in Connecticut, this mm-hmm. was the beer I would love and drink all the time. They have it, they have it all the time? Is it wild? Well, no, it's a seasonal, but I'd have it when it was in season. Yeah, I still like it. Spicy. Yeah, it's spicy. It's not. It's hard to call it a pumpkin ale because there's not a pumpkin in there. Is this? It's, a... It tastes more like a, a like a um, a nutmeg beer. It kind of tastes more Christmassy to me. Aged in rum barrels. Okay, so there there it is. Yeah, I you mean, got the that's, rum. That's you what the, I'm getting there. You get the rum and like nutmeg, mm-hmm. nutmeg and allspice with it. Um, but it tastes more like a Christmas beer. It does. It's great. I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's tasty. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's six eight. Um, it's Pretty unfortunate happy. that it's a pumpkin and not something that you know is a better beer that I like I to like, drink. I like pumpkins. 
gonna make some pumpkin pie. Might make that one week for us. Ooh, pumpkin pie. Instead of beer, we'll just eat pie. We won't even do the pie. We actually record the podcast, but it'll just be us chewing. It'll be a new ASMR thing. That'll be gross. Speaking of ASMR, watch some movies this weekend. <laughs> some ASMR movies. Uh, we have we have three movies to talk about. Yeah, two I of guess them are independent reviews because Tom want... Tom was too lazy. I was see, very sleepy. I'm sleepy now. I, f- I feel very tired right now. To, to see one of the movies we're supposed to do a joint review on. Yeah. Um, I guess the well, first one we'll mention is, is the one you saw. Yeah, I, a couple, I, I mentioned this last week on the podcast too. Um, and I definitely think it's worth talking about, if only because it's still making money, um, which I think is a, I think is a positive. Um, and I think they're kind of expecting that to just kind of keep in rolling, you know, rolling around in theaters for another month or so while every uh, octogenarian that can still get to the movies goes to see this movie. Um, it is uh, the Judy Garland biopic, Judy. Clang, clang, clang with the trolley. Mama, please don't go to sleep now. No, 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 the other one. Zing, zing, zing. The kids need a home, Judy. I know what kids need. They need their mother. Can't have the world's greatest entertainer out here without a drink. Frank Sinatra's here. Frank is great, but he is no Judy Garland. I don't have a home. I can't even get a manager. London would offer you a lot of money. Talk of the town is desperate to do a deal with you. You're saying I have to leave my children if I want to make enough money to be with my children? I would very much like to stay. Um... So, I mean, to be fair, my only personal experience with Judy Garland is having seen The Wizard of Oz, and then... What about A Star is Born? I didn't see the uh, Judy Garland A Star All is About Born. Eve? Was she in that? <laughs> no, she was not in All About Eve. <laughs> All About Eve is a good movie. <laughs> We're talking about Judy Garland here. Um, and then the, in, uh, the uh, Rufus Wainwright's live rendition of uh, Judy Garland's famous Carnegie Hall concert from 1961. Um, I heard that, and that's that's my relationship with with Judy Garland. She's probably a big fan of coffee and cigarettes too. I don't have a Judy Garland relationship. Who Judy Garland is? Well, yeah, but she's not Rufus, in coffee and cigarettes. Rufus Wainwright joke. Yeah, well, great. Um, <laughs> make this whole podcast about Rufus Wainwright jokes. I can talk about the Last Kiss soundtrack for a long time. You know that. I like that soundtrack. Um, what song does he do on the Last coffee Kiss soundtrack? Oh yeah, that's. Oh, cigarettes and chocolate cigarettes, milk. Cigarettes and chocolate milk. Yeah. I'm an idiot. It's off of poses. It's off of one of my favorite records. Um, so Rufus Wainwright fans are shaking their head in disgust. <laughs> I think they're yeah. We cross over a lot. Um, so the film takes place six months before she dies in the winter and the winter of 1968-69. Um, she can't uh, get real work in America anymore because we've decided that she is. A problem, um, you know, from a Hollywood standpoint and culturally. So she's because uh, of the substance abuse issues. Just because of that. you know all the stupid shit that we tend to do to American actresses and things like that. Um, so she's you know oh, reduced she aged to, out. She's reduced to playing. Well, no, she didn't age out because she she was only forty six by that point. Well, she aged. She out. looked like she aged out. Yeah, um, she was playing like supper clubs with her kids for like a cut of the door. Um, when she booked a series of gigs in England at the uh, Talk of the Town, where she was still uh, like a revered cultural figure. Um, 
so I didn't again I didn't know anything about Judy Garland going in so after the fact after I saw the movie I consulted an autobiography and I found out that they played pretty fast and loose with some of the details of, of her life in this uh, case in point her fifth husband that she marries in the movie Mickey Dean played by Finn Whitlock who is fine I, he's perfectly adequate um, uh, in the movie he meets her at Liza a party at Liza Minnelli's house he's just there and all we find out about him is that he works at a bar and that he really likes Judy Garland. But in reality, their relationship was much more complicated and the reasons and circumstances behind their marriage are um, are, are much more complicated. And in the movie, they're really kind of boiled down to, I really like you. Let's get married. You make me happy. We should be married. And then you don't make me happy anymore. We're going to fight. Um, but in reality, I think they stayed married for a little bit longer after that, even though in the movie it's... And that's just one example. You know. Um, so basically, you know, you're not in for like, uh, 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 you know, standard issue biography here. They're going to take their uh, biopic here. They're going to take some liberties, um, which kind of tells me that Judy, which told me that Judy wasn't really about, which has made me happy that Judy wasn't about Judy Garland necessarily, but was, you know, she was a metaphor and representative of something more, um, I don't know. I don't want to say sinister, but it's the only word that's coming to my mind because I can't keep my eyes open. Um, sinister about fame and, and being in Hollywood and what we do to cultural figures in our in our society. Um, but the movie is okay. You know what I mean? Like, everyone that's acting in it is fine. The director, uh, Rupert Gould, um, has directed a bunch of stage... He's a stage, a stage director, director, and he directed a bunch of TV versions of stage movies, and I guess think one other film. Yeah, true, true story, stories the, with um, Jonah Hill. Yeah, um, uh, and I think they got him Franco? to do James the Franco? James, James Franco. Franco yeah, yeah. They, I think they got him to do this the the musical numbers here, and Renee Zellweger does all her own singing. Um, go is fuck she, yourself, she, Robbie Malik. Is she good? Um, so that's kind of what I'm going to get into. Is okay. that she Renee Zellweger seems to understand that like hitting all the very specific notes that Judy Garland hit and doing like a perfect imitation of Judy Garland isn't really very important. What's really important is getting us to feel like we're watching a character who is feeling the things that this character is supposed to be feeling. Desperate, broken, um, shaken, a little arrogant, cocky as shit sometimes. Um, and Renee Zellweger pulls off all of that stuff. She's got a pretty good singing voice. If I had to make one... Um, if there's one flaw in Renee Zellweger's performance, and I'm not sure that it counts as a flaw because I think she's really excellent here, um, it's that I think by the time Judy Garland was doing her talk of the town sets, um, her calves and her and her arms. What's this muscle here on the back of your arm? The tricep. I think her at, Jesus her, her calves and her triceps weren't ripped to fucking shit, like Renee like Renee Zellweger's. <laughs> like when you can oh like when they pack. Like she's fit. Yeah, when they pack Renee Zellweger into like a tight-fitting outfit in this, she's just doing. You can dips. see all of her. <laughs> she's just doing dips. You during, can see on this. all There's of her really back weird choice that she just does one arm push-ups yeah, 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 while yeah. singing somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> all the question, curious looks on people's faces while she's doing it are explained by that. Um, Michael Gambon's just like, wow, this is. He's like, oh, I, I mean, sell this, this in layer uh-huh. cake. Um, but I think the movie is. The movie, it's not as good as the Jackie movie that came out a, a, a few years ago, which was just weird. It was kind of a bizarre take on the on the Jackie Onassis story. This the, is the more Portman one. What the Natalie Portman one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very standard, but it does do one thing that most biopics do wrong. I've found recently, 
which is that it understands that their its main character is not um, an island unto itself, and that the only people that it interacted with are the people that are just happen to be represented in the movie. So there's a really moving scene where she ends up at the apartment of um, uh, two gay gentlemen who are big fans of hers, and one of whom recently got out of jail because in England in this movie, until recently it was illegal to be gay. Um, we've only you know slightly progressed from that stage and. In 2019, but we were a little stupider back then than we are now. Um, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, exactly. We're regressing again. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but the, it's give it about 13 months before uh, we make that statement. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, well, this podcast he, will be a real downer that night, won't it? Let's hope we're done by then, or we'll do a special podcast after we've been finished for four months, been just us shaking our heads, throwing shit. Um, or celebrating, or popping those, popping those things, and, and drinking heavily, um, waving awkwardly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so he sings. He the the night ends up with this guy. One of the guys. One of the guys sleeping on the couch. One of the guys playing the piano, and he plays a really slow version of "Get Happy" while uh, you know Judy Garland sings it. And I don't know if this is real. And it doesn't matter. Um, but he just starts crying, and then she goes to give him a hug, and she sees that there's just like pictures of herself kind of intermixed with the pictures of, of him and his and his husband or boyfriend because they're probably not married at that point. No, they're definitely not married at that point. Um, and you kind of, you understand that Judy Garland is not just Judy Garland. You know what I mean? Like in Walk the Line or Ray or like Frida or like insert any other very standard issue biopic that Hollywood seems to have been churning out for decades now. Um, you know, or just look at Queen or Bohemian Rhapsody or even Rocketman. They're, Which I actually ended up seeing. Not bad. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's bad, but it's also fine. Like, some of the choices are it's, terrible. Yeah, and some of the choices are fun. Um, but it's fine. Um, but he's just Elton John, you know what I mean? Mm. And the, people, the only people that matter to him are the people that are in the movie. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And everyone that doesn't matter to him isn't real. It's just a figment of, you know, whoever's imagination for the musical that they're going to make on Broadway later. Um, this kind of shows that Judy Garland was not just Judy Garland. She was... Um, she meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people. She was representative of an idea, and that's 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 here in the in the in the film, and it's not in any of those other movies. You know what I mean? Even something like Bohemian Rhapsody and, and Rocket Man, they're supposed to be like they're supposed to be gay icons. You know what I mean? But they're they're not because you don't ever get to see them outside the world. You just see how sad they are inside themselves. And it was really illuminating. It was very humanizing. So when at the end of the movie when she does sing somewhere over the rainbow and she kind of forgets the words and the audience starts singing it along with her, it's super corny, but it also seems very earned. Like she seems Renée Zellweger has played everything so well in the movie, you know, despite its kind of mediocrity is um, so functional that that last emotional punch is very earned. Um, and it was a very satisfying experience. I don't know if I you need to see it in theaters. It's not doing anything so intense that you you know have to rush out and see it before it leaves. But I think it's worth definitely worth a look before next February. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it's I mean Renee Zellweger is great. I mean she's going on my list. She's not su- supplanting my current um, best actress, but she's she's. She's going on, and she's sticking there, and she's not gonna. She's not gonna move. That's so why I, I think your number one is. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's yeah. very. She's her performance in a lot of a lot of times is very thrilling. So, um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely worth a look. I liked it. I liked it way more than I thought I would, considering I don't give a fuck about Judy. Your Cole. number one being Jessica Chastain in It Chapter Two. Mm-hmm. 
You're a clown. You're a clown. You're a clown. I love Jessica. We have to do a separate episode. We have to move on with this episode. We have to do a separate episode about that list you sent me. We have to. Oh, Jessica Chastain being in Zero Dark Thirty being one of the top 20 performances of the last 20 years. Oh, boy. That is a reach. (laughs) We like Jessica Chastain a lot, but just she's just fine in Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Um, So now we're going to move on to the two two movies uh, about. Japanese films about people making a movie that is done weirdly. Uh, the first one is Netflix's um, new giving a shit ton of money to a director and telling him to do what he wants. And this director always does what he wants and Seems like it. got more money to do more what he wants. Uh, this is Sion, Sion Sono. I apologize, sir. Uh, Forest of Love. I'm Joe Murata. Marry me. I can't be. I know him. That's a really bad guy. Bad, bad guy? guy? Mr. Murata's custom shock stick. Life for me is a huge joke, right? You do what you like? <laughs> Thanks for coming to see me today. I'm Joe Murata! Itsuko! Stay away from the man I love! Hey friend, what's your name? I'm Shin. Jay, isn't it amazing we get to shoot a film here? We're making a movie about your pain. A movie about Joe Murata. I know, because I'm playing him. Your fiancé is a murderer. Check it out! Well, (laughs) if you watch this film on Netflix, you will be uh, exposed to the subtitled version, not... Whatever that was, um, I would no, suggest. No, I would suggest not watching the dub version. I mean, it sounds great. That sounds excellent. <laughs> I might want to. Re- <laughs> movie made me uncomfortable at points, but <laughs> that dubbing kind of sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so I did some previous exposure to Sean uh, Sono. Hope I'm saying the name right. I apologize if I'm not. Um, I had seen Tag and Suicide Club. Hadn't never got around to love exposure because typically shy away from four-hour-long films. I won't be in a month, but basically four hours. Irish, a man, Irish man's basically oh, four yeah. hours Oh, yeah. Well, long. then we can watch that at home. Yeah. Which unless, it, unless it comes out. Unless it comes... I mean, it's probably going to come to Criterion. So we'll probably... Um, and I, I liked those movies. They're they're rough. Like, they're really rough-looking. Mm-hmm. Um, they have... I, I, that's a choice, I think. He really, like, digs hard into, like, 70s exploitation aspects. Mm-hmm. Um... But but they're they're interesting in that they have some sort of a point. Um, in this film, it's uh, basically these three these two young filmmakers meet up with this guy uh, Shin, who's who's a virgin and a loner, and they want to help him lose his virginity. So they take him to their kind of um, promiscuous friend of theirs, uh, Taiko, um, who you know to help, help him lose his virginity. And uh, she introduced she doesn't want to have sex with this guy, um, but because she's, you know, she gets around, um, which is fine. Uh, don't want to make any judgments. Uh, but she introduces him to a friend of hers who's kind of like a shut-in, uh, Mitsuku, who's, you know, really weird and calm, but she is a virgin. Um, and she gets weirded out and, you know, pushes him away. Um, but she gets a call, Mitsuku gets a call from this old classmate, Joe uh, Murata, 
who uh, wants to pay back the 50 yen he borrowed from her seven years earlier. 50 yen, by the way, is like 47 cents. Um, the filmmakers kind of spy on this, uh, and um, they, they show that they, because they find this interesting, they're looking for an idea for a film. They show the footage to Taiko, who freaks out because um, this man, this Joe Murata, is, is a con artist and had done something similar to her sister before. Um, and the filmmakers decide that they're going to make a movie about what happens here. Um, well, it turns out, beyond being a con artist, Joe Murata is also into a heavy amount of sadomasochism. Meanwhile, all along going out, is a, there's a serial killer on the loose who kills women sure. in the forest um, with stolen police guns. Um, <laughs> it's very specific. Yeah. They say it's based on a true killings. Um, I didn't look up to see if it was. Uh-huh. So who cares? But it's, another, it's another Judy they, Garland thing. They say it's kind of based on a true thing, but Wikipedia doesn't say anything about that. Mm-hmm. Like, it usually would say, like, you know, based on the killings of this. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm led to believe probably not. Um, so Mitsuku and Joe Barada start a relationship. Um, there, and Taiko tries to, like, end it. And so she also starts getting in a relationship with Joe Barada. Um and there is a lot of cattle prods, a lot of uh, names being burnt into flesh with cigarettes. Hmm. Um, eventually, Joe figures out that a film's being made about him, and uh, he decides that it's a great idea. <laughs> and so he becomes the producer of this movie, hmm. while also still trying to, because Masuku's from a wealthy family, trying to marry and steal the money from uh, Mitsuku. Sure. Um, Things kind of get out of control as they're making the movie. Mitsuku kind of falls crazily head over heels in love with Joe. Um, eventually, during the making of the movie, strangles to death one of the filmmakers um, during a scene. Uh, then Taiko is murdered by the serial killer. Um, eventually, uh, Murata even tortures her parents. And her parents fall into this like weird sadomasochistic club. Her sister falls into this weird club of people walking around getting cattle prodded and whipped and burned. Uh-huh. Um, also, with the filmmaker that died, they, they have to cut him up and boil his flesh and of course. grind his bones to make um, miso. Not miso. What are those balls called? Uh, miso, right? The balls. Like a rice ball? Yeah, like, like kind of, but it's like a, I think it's a miso. You know what I'm talking about, the... I don't it's know. like a rice ball and they, with his bones. Um, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. They eventually, uh, they, they con a friend of the parents into investing in the movie, saying that's a sequel to Titanic. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. The parents... This movie sounds awesome. <laughs> the parents, uh, when confronted by the investor, murder him uh, and then cut up his body. But uh, are, are, they're... Dude, you're fall asleep somehow. I kind of got kind of lost there. I didn't know if they were doing drugs at the same time, but they pass out. Uh, so when everyone gets home, they think they're dead, and uh, they they start to cut up the dad, <laughs> cut off his head. Uh-huh. Uh, the sister does, and the okay. mother wakes up and uh, screams <laughs> because the dad was not dead. <laughs> oh, uh, and then the mother's killed. <laughs> And then they cut up the bodies and, you know, boil the skins and all that. Uh, eventually, Mitsuku, by the way, at this time, has also been tortured so bad that she had to be hospitalized. Um, the doctor is suspicious, as one would be with a person who has a bunch of cattle burns and cigarette burns. 
Um, they realize that Musuku has no point anymore, so they decide to kill her. They take her out to the woods. Um, at this time, it's also important to note that they're, these girls, uh, Mitsuku and Teiko, were, were high school best friends. They had a group of five best friends who were all part of this thing. Uh-huh. One of their friend, they were making a Romeo and Juliet play. Uh-huh. The she was going to play Julie. Uh, Mitsuku was going to play Juliet, I think. Um, and this this one friend was going to play Romeo, and she loved her, like really was super into her. Um, Romeo was killed in a car accident <laughs> early on, uh, and the friends decide to drink cough syrup and all commit suicide by falling off of a building. Um, four of the five do that. Uh, uh-huh. Teiko does not die. She just breaks her leg, and so she walks with a limp. Um, Mitsuku decides not to, steps back away from it. Um, so as she's taken out to the forest, it's revealed that Mitsuku knew all along <laughs> that um, Joe Murata was a, a con artist, uh, and also that Shin, the loner who was losing his virginity, was the serial killer. Oh. Um, has been the silk car all along, and she's doing it as an act of revenge because Romeo and Taiko were in a relationship, um, and it was stolen from her, and she wanted her Taiko to die, she wanted her sister to die, she wanted her parents to die. Shin is pretty impressed by this, um, so murders. <laughs> and also, she also reveals that she wasn't a virgin at all, that she's been like a very promiscuous, she says slut, I think, uh, super promiscuous, like banging her sister's boyfriends or friends boyfriends and just like has not been the version she claims shin murders the sister for her and then murders her uh-huh. jo- goes to kill murata murata runs away there's a really goofy scene where murata's mocking him as he's shooting at him <laughs> through a forest uh they eventually both get in cars with women who well murata gets in the car with a woman who looks like uh romeo the the lover and mm-hmm. um Shin sees a woman that looks like uh, Romeo on the side of the street, and the movie ends. It's a long description, because there's a lot of shit that happens in this movie. It's 151 minutes, and the first thing I'd say is it doesn't need to be that long. Um, it's, it's the Netflix bloat. I think Netflix bloat is going to be a, a term that has to enter the, the lexicon. Uh-huh. Uh, because with this free reign that Netflix gives to people, you know, it's a bit, a bit rough. <laughs> Well, it um, seems like he was going to, like, regardless, regardless, gonna regardless make, it was going to be whatever, yeah, two two plus hours. I mean, love exposure, like we said, is four hours. Yeah. Um, overall, I really enjoyed it and found it. It's it's captivating in the sense it's it's weirdly engaging. Uh-huh. Um, like 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 the actor I can't remember his name who plays. Um, Joe Murata, I think it's a Kippy Shanae. Sh- um, once again, saying the name wrong. He does he does an excellent job, kind of playing this really piece of shit, um, <laughs> like sadomasochist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is compelling, and all of his, his two films I've seen, Suicide Club and Tag, are compelling. But the problem I continue to have is is the excess by which he he leans into gore. There, like the sadomasochism aspects are uncomfortable. But they're kind of needed to be there to kind of build this like class of how these people kind of like fall into submission, mm-hmm. um, and it makes you purposely uncomfortable because that's the intent. The showing of bodies being cut into pieces and boiled, <laughs> like you see that. I fast forwarded through it because uh-huh. I'm like I, I texted you about this, and, and this might even be the name of the episode. I don't know. But uh, Teenage Field Gorgasm mm-hmm. is what I call it. 
um, because like the twist is really fun. And like when you realize that like she's been planning this all along, you're like, oh, that, that's pretty great. And everything about this is is fun and interesting to watch. But those things, like the, the, the showing of, of flesh being boiled and, you know, ground down and whatnot, just I don't need to see it. And I already talked about this. I think as I get older, I don't need to see that sort of stuff anymore. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm over the, the, the time. I still like violence when it's, I still like a good gore, you know. I still like good gore when it kind of like serves a purpose. We talked about like Jeremy Solonay, even like S. Craig Zaylor, because it makes you feel a certain way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it enhances the, the the film and enhances. It's what's attached going to on. an emotion. Yeah, this isn't. This is just like look at the bodies being cut up. And Tag has that problem. Tag has like a woman getting like half her head blasted off, a bunch of people getting chopped in half. Um, but like all that just is kind of there. It mm-hmm. ends up being like Tag ends up being just basically it's a video game. <laughs> Oh. Um, but they used the DNA of a woman that like was long dead. And so in the end, she like kills herself in tag, but that's like, really tactfully done. And so it's like tactful violence. And it's like, this has like these moments that are just so uncomfortable that it really takes you out of what is a really fun like film to watch. And it has like, it's, it's well, he's, he's definitely a craftsman. Um, so no, and, and he knows what he's doing. He, he, he can elicit an emotion, you know, it, they're, they're fun rides. They're not really doing much. I think Love Exposure is one film that people seriously consider like a true art film. Uh, it's, movies are all pretty highly reviewed, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like things where you just get so rapidly taken out of the picture because it just you don't want to see it. And like I don't want to see bodies being boiled, especially when it doesn't like serve a point. It's, it serves a couple quick shots to show like, hey, this guy's a real fucking asshole. Like to re-read that, yeah. But you know. <laughs> seeing like your tenth not tenth but seeing like your fourth severed head just kind of sitting there and intestines kind of like hanging around you're just like I only see this yeah I don't know what this is for um so overall I, I think it's a solid film it's a solid feature but I kind of I kind of wish he he gets past puberty at some point I, I, <laughs> I still think he gets I thought like maybe his next his, his next movie is going to be his first English language release with Nicolas Cage of course, and, why uh, wouldn't? Of course, it's, it is. it's his first um, production after his like near fatal heart attack. Oh. I guess it wasn't maybe near fatal; it was just a bad heart attack. Um, so I, maybe maybe that kind of gives him a new thought on life. But I just think people still think the directors when they're making this still think this stuff is very shocking. To yeah, and it's not. It's just like it's just kind of like gross. Oh, right. It's enough of that. I mean, it's shocking in this. It's not shocking. It's just like oh, this is gross. And like, why are you doing this? Well, I mean, I remember when we had the con- you know we've had many conversations about the House of Jack Wilson's and but like when he killed those kids, it seemed really gratuitous. But then the really disgusting thing he does after with the kid is actually like weirdly emotional. Yeah, like, but it's it all, has but like it's a, a real, and, but like it is, it is still everything's with emotion, right? And so like it's there. I think is the a, only scene that's kind of dumb in terms of the violence is when he puts the breast on the police car. Well, that's he's just being a dick. Yeah. But like, and that's the whole, and that's kind of the whole idea. Is like, I can do anything I want. But I think if it's not, if it's just doing it for the sake of doing it, just to kind of like shock people or make people say that's gross, then it's got not a lot of value. Yeah, just especially in a hundred and fifty-one minute long movie, cut that out. Like, just cut it because it'll make your movie a little tighter. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just don't have to fucking watch it. Yeah. Speaking of tight movies, because it's really cool. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is one cut of the dead. It is a film that was made for $25,000 and went on to gross 27 
20 almost 28 million dollars in japan was nominated for a shit ton of japanese academy awards um oh, the actual the japanese the, ja the ja japan academy prize it was nominated for Ten of them, it looks like. Uh, one for best film editing. It would lose best picture to Shoplifter, so uh, a little bit of a despair yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Um, it is a film about uh, a mad sort of crazed director who's um, making a film about zombies uh, when actual zombies attack. <laughs> Nominated for eight, actually, not ten. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's very good. Picture director, screenplay, you know, actor, um, all pretty good. Yeah. Why are you pointing at your? Uh, we're recording. Yeah, I know. That's why. Oh, I you said... want me to say something? No, I, that's why I said eight. Eight's good. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna do this. We typically don't give a shit about spoilers, as seen in my Forest of Love thing. But um, we're not gonna do that for this. Um, oh, I got the I got the alert all queued up. Uh, and I guess that in itself is kind of a spoiler, but you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're that's kind of the thing you do. I mean, let's just do a quick, really quick, like our impressions of yeah. of of the film. So it's it's done for a good point in in one cut, which is in, an interesting choice. I found that an odd sort of choice, um, but it looked good. Uh, I think it's. Incredibly solidly acted. From you said, they're most of them were non-actors. I thought that was kind of the whole actors. thing is that they're they're no, most of them are non-actors. They have done like small work. Like I said, twenty five thousand dollars. So you're not getting like known no. quantities here. Um, and and it's fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's 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 a, a hilarious. I think. Yeah, it's um it's very fun. It was way more fun than I thought it was going to be when it started. Um, yeah, the first I was very bit, angry. The first bit is rough, and I sat there going like, rough in the sense of I was like, "This is not a comedy." I guess it's kind of goofy at parts. Well, I just thought it was. I didn't know it was a comedy. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that it was on Shutter. Yeah, and I then that. what you told me it won a bunch of awards, and I was like, "I'm si as the when the movie started, I was like, "I am sick to death of this indie horror bullshit." I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna come in here today and just unload on this fucking yeah. movie. I was so done with it. It ends up being, but it ends up being incredibly heartwarming and like cute. Like it's a really it's, cute is like, I think the best way to describe it. Yeah. And it, um, it's one of those, it's the smiling movies. It makes you feel good, which yes. is weird for a zombie comedy because it ends up making you feel just good. Well, afterwards. cause I remember when I saw like Shaun of the Dead, which I did not like, but Shaun of the, Shaun of the Dead, I, I thought like was thought it was too smart for like its audience. And so it kind of went just kind of that like snarky kind of humor. All of Edgar Wright's films. This is not snarky in any no. way. It's just like jokes. Yeah, like it's very jokes funny and like situations. Slapstick, and yeah, flat stick humor. And so my laughs There's were poop, different. Like one of the best jokes is a poop joke. It's coming. What's coming? Poop. <laughs> so should we jump into the, the Yeah, I think, I think the meat right, of this will we'll spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
Was anybody home when you did that last part? No. Okay, good. Wait, I would imagine, were they home? No, nobody was I would home. hope it was like 1 o'clock Sometimes I do morning. stuff when people are home, and I'm just like, oh. yeah, they'll, have, they'll ask questions, but I can answer them. But no, nobody was home. Um, so, we, 32 minutes into this movie, uh, the credits roll. <laughs> yeah. And, and the film ends. 32 minutes into a very questionable horror movie. Yeah, a very not great, an okay horror movie with really weird choices. Like a guy who's just sitting there um, while zombie attack's going on and just seems totally uninterested until eventually he has to run out and leave. Yep. Uh, a woman who's been axing the head, jumping up, asking what's that, and then falling back down. Or the other lead, the lead actress just screaming weirdly for like a minute. While nothing much is happening, like, sound effects-wise. Yeah. And then you see that all that happened was a, a guy put a he- an axe in a zombie's head. Yeah. should have taken and 10 it, seconds. And it leaves you thinking, like, oh, this is all fake itself. Like, but this feels fake. And, like, all the bodies look terrible. Like, the decapitation, you can clearly see, like, the fake, like, the fake top of the yeah, head yeah, yeah. for um, the one guy. Uh, and then you realize that that's because the rest of the movie is about... The making of a movie of a one-take television episode about a film crew on a making z- a zombie movie for who a zomb- are then attacked by zombies yeah. on the Zombie Channel. Yeah, on the which, Zombie Channel. Which Shudder's like, guys, redo all horror. I want the Zombie Channel. Let's get it. <laughs> they have they have a zombie category. Shudder's great. There's so yeah. many good movies on no, there. No, but I, I might keep Shudder, but the there's way. also different things on Shudder. Not just zombie movies. Mm-hmm. We want just zombie <laughs> Just zombie channel. Just zombie movies and the cranberries. <laughs> like the band. And Rob. Rob Zombie. Okay. Yeah. And it's like... They just play the zombie video and then just... <laughs> and then just goes right into uh, a... A webcam of Rob Zombie just living his life. Right into uh What's that? Drag- Dragula? Dragula, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that's when you... When that movie has that turn. For one thing, it's one of the best twists of recent memory. Yeah, it's cool. So I was like, wait a minute. It's like, is it a big joke that now it's ending? And like the rest of it's going to be like, is this going to be an experimental thing? And I does one month earlier and I'm like, oh, it was the making of a yeah. <laughs> zombie movie. Um, and then you realize that all the really bad choices were because just a bunch just stuff, shit was just happening. happening while they were, and it's weird because like you don't get to see, I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's just like people haven't made this kind of movie yet, but you don't get to see a lot of the choices that go into doing something like this. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of rehearsal shots. There's a lot of like the, t- the, the cinematographer and the, the camera actor is a real piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that choice, making him like a real asshole. Well, then he, and he just, and he screams, yeah, when he screams at him, that's the best. Um, but like all those little things that go into like doing something like this and like how it all has to be coordinated and like, oh, the, this is, this is the, the, the location and we're just going to kind of use all this stuff and they're going to use the whole building. So like it, when you're watching the movie, you're just kind of like, why do they just keep going back to the same place? Like they just keep running in circles and they end up on the roof and then they go down and they end up in the same place. They already are. And it's like, they can't do this for a whole movie. And like when you find out why they're doing it, it like makes a lot of sense and you really admire them. Like it, they're all very admirable. The whole thing is very admirable and it is well-intentioned and in good fun and yeah i i, I thought it was like, one of one of for me one of the funniest movies uh, that I, for like the past well nobody years. makes funny movies anymore so it was nice to see a movie that was just listen like, man in this woke funny. culture you can't be funny that's true 
Todd Phillips tells us so. But this movie shows that, yeah, if you have talent, you can be. Because, mm-hmm. like, the guy you see sitting there accidentally drank soft, no, drank hard water. Hard water. And has to, diarrhea. Has to have diarrhea. Uh, or the weird, the weird reason that zombie was resting his head on the guy for a while <laughs> and not doing much of anything was because the guy was near blackout drunk and was being lifted and carried by a... Uh, and then when he comes to, his zombie mo- movements are like the most hilarious zombie movements ever. Yeah. Uh, or, or the wife oh, just losing wife. her shit. She went too method. She went too deep. Yeah, too method. Like, to that they, they warned him. Yeah. You know, um, you know and, and boom. I boom. love it. Yeah, she was in... Boom! When we first meet her, she's watching these like self-defense videos just because she's really bored. Um, it's a hobby. But she then... <laughs> self-defense is not a hobby, Mom. Says her daughter, but then like she works it into the movie, and then by the end of the movie, you just she's like doing it to everybody, well, and, but and, they're not on you know not on camera. But it's it's so clever. Like there's a, like the daughter um, goes. Well, the daughter wants to, see, to go just because she wants to see, see the, the guy because like he's like, a heart heartthrob yeah. actor. But then like like you know the 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 Shutter producer, sorry, the Zombie Channel producer, yeah, goes up and <laughs> Shutter was definitely like jerking off itself when they. Picked this movie to like listen, guys. I'm really surprised like, nobody else picked it up. Yeah, well, there's there might be a reason why with that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you in a second. Okay, um, it was a real bad fuck up. Uh, but like they says, like, oh, you, you're gonna be a director like your dad, and then she ends up being like the one who like takes a lot of yeah. charge yeah, and yeah, like yeah. figures shit out, mm-hmm. and like you know, it's it's so it's fun. It's 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 really heartwarming. Like it's it has a of... it has a really corny ending of everyone smiling at each other. Yeah, and just smiling. But the, you know what? At that point, I was like, "Fuck it!" Like I'm I'm also smiling because it, it's so much fun it and really it makes worked. me feel good. Fun is really the optimal word here because it is in a time where movies, especially my movies, like I have fun at them, but they're different kinds of fun. Like I just appreciate it, them and I just love them, but they're dark. Yeah. Um. This movie was like legitimately fun and kind of an old school like it's, '90s kind yeah, of comedy. It's way. Funny, Not because it reminds it's, me of a '90s comedy. It's just low stakes. It's yeah. you know, it's just humorous. It's just it's good natured. It's not trying to remake the wheel or anything like that. While simultaneously kind of remaking it's, it's the wheel. It's weird too because it's an R-rated horror comedy. Like not really. Horror. It's just basically a comedy. It's that, it solves itself a horror comedy, but it is just a comedy. There's no horror. Well, like, I felt like I wanted to show this to my it, kids. Yeah, it feels so family friendly. Yeah, because like if it wasn't for them saying it. like "fuck," like 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 they had a decent amount of cursing in it, um, but nothing in it's like no, because you get to terrible. see what all that stuff is. So no one's heads getting chopped off; they're just carrying around dummies and just placing them and then just throwing blood on them. I, I probably would have no problem like showing this to, like a 12, 13 year old. Yeah, you know, like they would probably love it. Yeah, because it's funny. Like just a. I hate poop jokes. I think they're typically bad. Like, I don't really even find, like, the Dumb and Dumber poop joke that funny. Uh-huh. But just the way that's sold, just, it's, cut, like, poop. <laughs> just, like... And then that woman has to do his makeup while he's pooping in the grass. Yeah. Or, like, like early... Like, once again, earlier on when she, the, uh, the the pop star... Oh, that, that woman, by the way, needs to... I'm surprised. She, I assume, is going to be elevated in terms of roles. from cause She's, like, such an energetic face. And, uh-huh. Like, that's the person you saw, like, everyone in this movie, too, like, for people who aren't really known, like, they look like, they have a good look to them. Everyone had which good is presence, weird. which is yeah. weird, yeah. It's, it's, um, but she's like, oh, I can't be vomited on. I'm like, but you are vomited on in the movie. You get to get, it's because the guy, the yeah, drunk yeah. guy's just vomiting on them. The one, the glass, the guy at the glasses reaction just, what is that? <laughs> what was that? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> just um, as like. 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, it was just... It feels like there's so there's so many flaws in that first 30 minutes. You're like, that's a weird, dumb choice. And they answer every single one. Like, all, like it's so really well crafted and not just I'm, like, in, I'm, like i told you earlier yeah. like the surprising this is one or two right now probably two right now for me on the year i mean I this really, is gonna be weird <laughs> i mean I, I sat there like going like this got nominated this made that much money oh, and got nominated for the so japan academy award i was so mad and then i kept well i was like nope but, in, but in, i get it and it answered all those things in in interesting ways it didn't do it easily you and know what hilarious I mean? ways and hilarious yeah yeah yeah, yeah. All right. So the only one that doesn't work is the guy's back being hurt, and that's like when well, the camera's down. It's yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. but it's like no. Well, he's just but like no. stiff and unmovable. Then the 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 assistant uh, <laughs> cinematographer gets to do her patented move, which the producer when she's watching is like, "That's cheesy," like while smiling. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's funny because when we is this shot too long and the old lady just on her phone? What? We've had, <laughs> we've had um. This is this reminds me of Naked Gun though and Tommy Boy. Yeah. Like I think this is a movie that that is best reviewed by just mentioning the moments. And those are the best comedies when you only care about like this the the highlighted moments of them. Well, it's weird you because just, like, we both had the same funny, reactions right? to stuff. Like watching the actual like watching the movie and being like you know when she does the zooming in, I'm just like they're doing the zooming in like a lot. Like <laughs> I was alone, but I was like saying out loud, or like, like they're doing this a gratuitous, a, a really gratuitous ass shot. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Just kind like, of like, well, like, like, no, like we understand this. This actress is really attractive, and we also like, understand we the genre. This. Like yeah. this stuff happens. We're just like, well, that's a choice. Like, yeah, and then then you find out it's because like they're rushing up and around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, he's not even looking through the camera. Still gratuitous, but it's funny. Yeah, but it's yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, I would say, uh, yeah, that's this is this is a. Watch like get your free thirty day trial to Shutter. So the reason this didn't get distribution though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Amazon Prime in January released this for a day because they got a bootleg copy and thought they could release it. Really? And it turns out they didn't have distribution rights, so, so I hope they just suing fucking the crap out of buried them. it. No, I, I don't. I don't hear about anything about a lawsuit. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think they pulled. I think they had a deal with Amazon. They, uh. That's what they just they pulled the deal with Amazon and huh. with Shutter. Um, but Shutter's doing some work. Like if you're a fan of horror, mm-hmm. like go to Shutter. I mean, go to Shutter.com. They don't have a ton of stuff. Promo, but they promo code, have a lot of stuff. Promo code Pivotal. Shutter, Shutter. Huh? Huh? That sounds good. You wouldn't have to give us money. Just give me free memberships. I think that's 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 what they would do. I don't think they would give us any money. <laughs> I mean, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. technically is money. That's like six dollars a month. That's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, I anything else? No, just it's See great. It. It's great. See it's it. it's uh. See it and enjoy it, especially yeah, with my number two. Out. My number two. It's my number two, I think. Awesome. Um, Your number one's not number two juxtaposed with each other. Is... They're so different. I mean, I'm sure this list is going to move around right now. Like from, but uh-huh. for now, this is my number two. And it's so utterly different than my number one. I know. It's great. It's great. All right. We will be right back with our number 44s. <laughs> Welcome back. Why'd you do that? I almost wanted to. Because you always do welcome back, and I wanted to do it this time. Well, I go first. When I, go I know first, you're going like, first. You say welcome back. You can say welcome back when you're time. Wait, do I say welcome back when you're You don't first? usually. Yeah, you usually say welcome back. And I then say welcome I go, back, and you say, have you ever done, you know, or one of yeah. those things. Yeah. So th- there we go. Welcome back. So when you start, I'll just take a really deep breath. Because that's what you do. Okay, ready? Yeah. Welcome back. Nope. No, ready? One more time. What am I supposed to do? Take a deep breath and then do your introduction to your All movie. All right, fine. On three. Welcome back. Is that good? 
Does it make you no, have it? No, no, no. no. D- did, but then you started. You got to take a deep breath, then do your thing. We are On three. Duh. One, two, three. Welcome back. It was funny. Um, so you know, in I'm going to preamble this this um, a preamble. Wow, this list. What is this? What, 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 list what, the movie this entry. Yeah. This movie, this film, whatever. Um, by making the point that um, when you with your movie, we're going to talk about some some Academy Award injustices. Something that we talk a lot about. How like silly the Academy Awards are, but sometimes, very occasionally, you get. Little justices out of the Academy Awards, and uh, the 2008 Oscars were one of those. I mean, it was a well, you know, except for a couple, like a cinematographer award here, depending on you know, whatever how much, how much you love Roger Deakins, who got nominated twice that year, um, or you know a, a you know adapted screenplay there or something like that. Um, they got a lot right uh, in in two thousand eight with you know, No Country for Old Men and Daniel Day Lewis and even Marion I mean, Cotillard. I think, I think the cinematography dominate the win in that one is the win is, is good. Fair. Sure, like, Robert Elswood is that's good. That's such a fucking packed but category. If, exactly. I mean, you got the two Roger I mean, Deakins and Robert Elswood. I would say Assassination deserve. I, I mine was Assassination. Yeah. But like, and it's iconic now. Like Red Dead Redemption Two like steals that shot. Of it the is, it has sequence, become but, kind of un un. But it's there would be blood still it's, fucking yeah. great looking. Um. But the other thing they got right, which sometimes they get wrong, especially when there's three Enchanted songs up against it. You know, one just assumed that Enchanted... I would, I would, say, I would say Savages should have won original screenplay. Though. Yeah, 100%. Savages did not make my list, and I thought about how it should have, probably. Well, I'm going to talk about Savages when I do my number 21. There you go. I have to. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, Falling Slowly from Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Irglova. Um, one... Best original song for uh, their movie, Once. Who'd you write this song for? She's gone. She's dead? No, she's not dead. She's gone. used to play in the orchestra back at home. You don't want to go for a walk or something, huh? Take this and gamble and put it home. we still got time. Raise your hopeful voice. Do you want to stay? I have to go now. Once is the story of a guy, uh, a musician. Uh, he is a broken-hearted singer-songwriter played by Glenn Hansard. Broken-hearted Hoover fixer sucker guy. I was going to open the whole thing with that, but then I opened it with something better. Also musical, but better. With more dead people in it. Um, he fixes vacuum cleaners by day, and he busks on the streets of Dublin by night. Um, one of those nights, he meets a girl, a Czech immigrant, played by uh, the singer-songwriter Marketa Irglova, who um, at this point wasn't even really a person. Like she wasn't even a musician that really um, had any kind of presence. She had, she had, and Glenn Hansard had been working together a little bit. She was bit. nineteen. Yeah, like, and like they seven, eighteen when she was dating. When they like after this happened, yeah, like, he was in his thirties, so that's, that's that didn't last a super long time. 
Um, but they made a, a record after this as well. Um, she sells flowers on the streets, but she spends her lunch breaks uh, playing the pianos at this local music shop. Um, when they end up playing one of his songs together, um, you know, it's really kind of a magical moment. We heard a little bit of that in the in the trailer. Um, he being lonely uh, misinterprets that as uh, romance, only to find out that the girl is married, uh, though her husband doesn't live in Dublin. Um, she has a daughter, and she lives with her mother, uh, and she doesn't make a lot of money, and she eventually has to clean houses uh, as long as well as selling roses to make ends meet, uh, but she believes in like these songs, and they kind of, with her in them, the songs kind of become something else. Um, eventually, they, they, you know, they raise some money, and they record them with a few Dublin street musicians who uh, only play Thin Lizzy songs, which is very hilarious, um, on the street in front of a statue of Phil Lynott. Um and the movie ends with the guy taking his demos to London where he is going to um, reconnect with his ex, who he spends like the whole movie pining for, and who he ends up having written all of these songs. We, you know, he says that he wrote all these songs for her. Um, but before he leaves, he buys the girl uh, a piano. And so our last shot of her, last shot of the movie is her in her apartment with her husband there, um, playing this, uh, happily playing this piano. Um, and that is it. That's the whole movie. It is um, a very small film about a brief but very significant moment uh, in the lives of those two people. Made for $150,000. Which is so actually surprised it's that much money. Because really? a lot of this stuff doesn't even look permanent. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm surprised, you know, he's Irish. I'm surprised he didn't use, like, a shop of a guy that he knew. You know what I mean? I'm surprised he didn't just fix vacuums because he knew he could get into a vacuum shop. I'm surprised... That the house that she's cleaning at one point isn't just somebody's house he knew, or the apartment's just some. I think most of that money was probably spent on those last couple of crane shots. Mm. Um, I'm sure that was permitted. It's like the one time where the camera's like not, you know, kind of jerking all over the place. Maybe it cost some money to uh, to rent the recording studio, but I'm surprised I didn't get that for free. Also, um, so I don't know exactly. I don't remember the exact circumstances behind me going to see this movie. Um, I knew who the frames were. Um, primarily because they were on the same label as Nick Cave, um, who we'll be talking about two times in a row um, in the preceding weeks. Um, a lot of a lot of Nick, <laughs> a lot of Nick Cave for me on this on this podcast. Um, but it was like definitely the, I pro- probably saw a preview, um, and it's definitely the kind of thing that I would I would see. You know, it seemed small. I loved you know small movies and and great music by a musician that I knew and I, I kind of liked. Um, and for the first, like, three quarters of this movie, I just... It was, like, the greatest thing that I'd ever seen in my life. I was, like, soaring. Um, then the last quarter, I think, is a little redundant and a little indie filmish. You know what I mean? Like, how you get the second time through when your mind's made up. You know, you see them record the whole thing, and then you get the second time through in the car. It was just clear that, like, for the budget that Glenn Car- or that John Carney was working with, like, he just kind of ran out of ideas. And Glenn Hansen ran out of songs. Like rock songs that you could listen to while playing frisbee on a beach and playing with a dog, you know what I mean? Um, but I, but I just loved it. Um, I loved it. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, loved it. Um, when we got married in two thousand eight, the song we after you know we said I do and I pronounce you man and wife um, was to we walked back down the aisle to Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Irglova 
singing Bob Dylan's um, You Ain't Going Nowhere from Todd Haynes' I'm Not There soundtrack. Um, a year later, me and my wife, who um, was super pregnant, went to Rhode Island to see Swell Season, Marquette Air Glover and Glenn Hansard's band. Um, Good concert. Play, yeah, and it was, you know, we just, and she was humongous and we had to walk and, you know, she sat in uncomfortable seats, but um, we just loved, I mean, we just, we loved it. It was, it was, um, it was kind of like our thing. Um, like subsequently, I've bought every Glenn Hansard record that's been released um, since he made the movie. Um, each Marquette or Glover record, there's been a you know a couple of those. Um, I started listening to like more Irish artists, so I got really into Damien Rice, especially after Closer. But like this kind of like cemented it because Damien Rice played with Lisa Hannigan, who um, is also like a significant artist in my life too. Um, but for a couple of years, my whole life was colored by um, once. Um, but all that subsequent stuff is less interesting to me. Um, I think because in the same way, the movie was just kind of like a, the movie is just a, 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 a snapshot of a brief period of these people's lives. Um, when I think of once, it's like a snapshot of a brief, but like ultra significant period, um, in my life. It doesn't color, you know how like the top movies on your list are going to kind of are colored, like a lot of different aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, once didn't change my life at all. You know what I mean? Like I don't, when I'm doing other stuff, I don't sometimes consider how like, or I'm thinking about other things or I'm thinking about other art or like we're having a conversation. Like I haven't brought up once in one of our conversations that we've had like, you know, double our lists and we've had that many conversations about like that many movies, plus the new movies. I don't talk about once. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not a thing that comes up in my mind ever. It's like, it's become like a memento that you like put in a box full of mementos. And when you pull each one out, it takes you right back to that, that time and place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then when you put it back, you know, you just start thinking about all the other stuff you have to do and it doesn't really play that much of a role anymore. Um, and that's kind of where it is for me. There's a two year like a period like of my life image. that it was, you know, that's from before I got married to when we, you know, me and my wife, you know, got a cat to right before my daughter was born that like once is like the soundtrack for you know what i mean and then when i play those songs in my car i'm like taken back to those to those moments and um those really like there's a lot of there's so much heart in this movie you know what i mean um so even though there's no romantic you know it seems like it's misinterpreted romance even though she says later that, like, you know, in Czech, I love you, um, and stuff like that, it's not really about, like, it's not about the missed opportunities, because they both kind of get on with their lives, you know what they, I mean? They, we're know, not they know it can happen. Yeah, yeah, we're not supposed to assume that they, the relationships that they're walking into when the movie ends are, like, not going to work out. Um, we have to assume that, that, we're supposed to assume that they are going to work out, that they both wanted them to happen. Um, I think both of them are are lonely people who for a second found somebody else that um, they connected to and they didn't really feel very lonely anymore. Um, and I think when you're uh, like, and, and that's, and that doesn't stay, you know what I mean? That stuff goes away. And I'm not saying that like my relationship with my wife has gone anywhere. Obviously it hasn't, but. Um, I mean, you got, you got another kid. You got another kid. So there's that. But, um, 
those initial feelings, you know what I mean? That, 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 that period, um, like that period is not coming back. The newness of, of all of those experiences is not coming back, but it's, it is, it roll, it turns into something else and it turns into something more meaningful and more substantial. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think if it was a more perfect movie, it might be higher. If it was more, if it if it went somewhere, if it, if I carried it with me, it might be higher on my list. But like as of now, forty, forty four. But I know you like this movie. No, yeah, right? I love I love this movie. And you had mentioned something. I forget what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. I think I'm talking about this movie more than you talk about this movie. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It, it's it's I I don't like. I mean, it's hard to call this a musical. It's kind of just a music movie. Um, but it is kind of it, it like hits all these. It's definitely mu- a musical. But... Hits all these musical moments. Yeah. Where like it would st- it stereotypically would be a music like this is where a song would go, but I think they do it really well. Yeah. It's just it's an enchanting, charming film. Enchanting. Mm. Beat out three enchanted <laughs> songs, which another movie I actually do really enjoy too. Enchanted is not a bad movie. Enchanted is pretty great. Yeah. My big introduction to Amy Adams, I think. Um, but. You know, when she does If You Want Me, like mm-hmm. that one shot of If You Want Me, like yeah, I yeah. just was enamored by that mm-hmm. film. Like it just, it has, just has moments. It's a movie of moments. It, it has weird sure, choices. Yeah, yeah. Like it has, like you said, repeating songs or kind of just, you know, I think like the last lines made up and like kind of like it loses steam in its third act. I and guess. that last push at the end is really like, I'm not even like 2019 it. It's, art, it's a kind of Yeah, it's just kind of like come over. Like ten times in a row, it's like yeah. his his pushiness is. I don't know what it's supposed to be representative of. I know what her not coming is representative of. It's that she understands something about what just happened that he he doesn't. But I don't understand why he's so obtuse that he can't see it either. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um. So yeah, there's it. it, it it's definitely an independent, early John Carney film, and John Carney's. Kind of not gone on to not be a terribly solid director, in my opinion. He's made this movie a bunch of times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what's kind of funny, though? I always get him and John Crowley mixed up. So mm. I was like, oh, he went on to do Brooklyn. And I'm like, nope. No, he did not. That'd be, that might be interesting. <laughs> also, one of the 20 best performances of the last 20 years. That's a... So that's wrote that's it actually... Brooklyn. That's actually okay. It's, it's arguable. It's arguable, but like I'm not gonna like argue. I'm not gonna like die on the hill of saying Saoirse Ronan doesn't deserve to be there. Um, but no, like it's just like we just talked about One Cut of the Dead. It's it's a charming, really charming movie. Yeah, it makes you feel good unless you're sad and single, and then it makes you kind of feel other ways, ladies. Um, Are you advertising that you feel the other ways, and that you get to spend time with that? But. No, it's 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 I I I I take it not as misinterpreted romance. I think she does love she does have feelings for him, but they both she real she's more mature than him, and I like that. It's, it's like a juxtaposition of maturity. She's mm-hmm. he's older. Um, apparently, in real life, Glenn Hansford wasn't that mature because he's a thirty-six year old man dating an eighteen-year-old. I have personal opinions about that. that I thought it was creepy, but that's not beyond this. They're point. artists, whatever. Bro, so um, they're supposed to do weird things. But, um, dude, I I think she does have feelings for him, but she just realizes she has feelings for her husband too, and she realizes that 
you know, this is silly. It's it's just that'd be impulse. Um, yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's hard to which is which is smart. And it's a clever clever way of going. About and you it. don't want to overanalyze it because I don't think it like it will hold up like over to overanalyzation. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's a subtext of. Um, of wanting something that doesn't exist but like it but it does exist yeah but like if you wanted to you could kind of forget that all that stuff happens so like a conversation that they have about you know after she's playing the piano and she kind of starts crying and he's like oh just come with me and she's like and she's she's kind of playing along and then she's like well can i bring my mom and he's just kind of like Bleh. like you know i don't you know but like there's a reality and then if they wanted they both kind of understand and she understands a little better that like to live in the fantasy they'd have to give up the reality which means giving up like you know your family or giving up on like this life that you had made for yourself or giving up on whatever like dreams that you had before like yeah. this thing happened to you um so yeah i mean it's what's that the one thing i do find interesting though is at the time my girlfriend and me kind of bonded also heavily over this mm-hmm um, I'm sure a lot of people did, but unfortunately, that that ends with me moving across the country and that relationship ending. Kind of, kind of a different finale. Did you bring your demos? What? Did you bring your demos with you? When you moved. But demos of what? He got. He had demos. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't bring. I demos. didn't bring my demos of my comedy rock band <laughs> Indo style with me. I don't think we ever got. Re- I don't think we have anything on YouTube. Oh, unfortunately. Damn it. You have a great cake party for Dante song, and a anti Julie Roberts song. Well, yeah, that just makes sense. Yeah, that's not. Um, but no, that's the thing. I, I think this movie is is universally. It's one of those universally kind of loved. I've never met a person who's like, you know what, don't like once. There's a reason it became a hugely successful Broadway musical. Yeah, starring I... like the 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 cream of the crop, like celebrity crush I have in Kristen Milan. Oh, the mother? Yeah. Top top of my list. If whenever I get married and you know you have the uh you have the what is it, the list of, of the people you could cheat on your wife with? I wouldn't I wouldn't have that list cuz that's weird, but just saying, cream of the crop. I had that. Mine my list included just Elizabeth Warren. You told me about this. She would wave. I mean, that you. was like that was like 8 years ago, but <laughs> nevertheless, Elizabeth Warren's still a good-looking woman. Um but no, so this movie is just like so, it it's, it makes you feel happy watching mm-hmm. it. But it's not a happy movie necessarily. Like no, it, but it it's definitely also not runs a sad through movie. a ga- yeah, it runs through a gamut of emotions, and it's just like a real slice, small part. Um, rewatching, I didn't have as much of an emotional connection to it as I did last time. Mm-hmm. Like the first, t- like the the first couple times I watched it, I really kind of had like a huge emotional like this is what I want sort of thing, and now I'm kind of like mm, yeah, it's just a good movie. I'm resp- I think it's, but I could see like if like in I could see this being something that is a postcard moment, a uh, photograph moment sort of thing, like a thing that kind of it yeah. brings you back to what you're feeling. And because it has because it has something that a lot of movies don't have, which is the songs. So I can I have like the ones I have like a burned copy of the one soundtrack in my car that like goes in. For a couple days, like once a month, you know what I mean. I just, you know, I'll, I'll just listen to that. Um, so it's not, it's not like other movies, like where you have to conjure a shot in your mind, or you have to kind no, of there's... watch a video on YouTube. It's, it exists in like a different state, a different artistic state than a lot of movies. 
Um, Definitely the weirdest R-rated movie. It's rated R? Yeah, because of all the language in the beginning. Oh, my God. It's like King's Speech. King's Speech was rated R? Yeah, because the, the, the fuck monologue. She's... That's America. This is ridiculous. All right. But um, no, it's just... It's a really delightful film. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's one of those ones like... And the soundtrack, oh man! If you want, if you want me in falling slowly, or on my workout playlist. Well, falling. How do you work out in falling slowly? Double time, or do you just? No, do I, it really, I don't need. I don't need. You don't need the rhythmically. I work out to Clint Mansell soundtracks. Well, that's just awesome. Yeah, Death is the Road to Awe is you know is easy mm-hmm. to lift to. Lux Eternal is you know. Um. It's the, the they're yeah. just they're just good. I mean, it's just good, and that's why I think like the it's. It would be would have been easy for the Academy Awards to just kind of say no to that, like. Um, but I was listening to a podcast before how they they say like the the cool movies get writing Academy Awards, which I think is ultimately true. Like in this case, like the coolest movie of the year, you know, are you know in in a certain way, um, ended up with an Oscar. You know, what I mean, those people got those people got recognized, and that's nice. Yeah, because that it doesn't did, always happen. It did lead to a really nice. I mean. <clears throat> The one thing about this movie is it does it made everything around this movie made me hate Glenn Hansen. He he seems like a real he just this entire like experience of once made him seem like a real asshole. He's really like he's, he's dating somebody half his life, yeah. half his age, and then he took like all the time to do the Oscar speech that like was it John Stewart mm-hmm. had to bring it back out so Marquette or Glova could yeah give uh, Glenn Hansen's be not like my favorite person, but. I'm like attached to him autobiographically, so yeah, no, no. I, but that's... his, yeah, his sincerity sometimes kind of is like that doesn't seem like sincerity. That seems like bragging. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, all right, we but... will be anything else? No, just a great right, movie. Let's it's, do it's, it. It's a very watchable yeah. movie. Speaking of great watchable movies, we will be right back with your number forty-four. Pivotal film list is evolving, right? It's, it's a living organism. Yeah. It changes. We've had, the past few weeks have been in disarray because we've had a lot of changes in the, in the list. We've, we've had well, realizations that... The movies have been that, the same, but, but we've just kind of shuffled around. Reorganized. But this is an example of a movie that replaced another movie on my list. It is a newer movie. It is a film we've talked about already. Extensively. But not on somebody's list it's a movie we reviewed has an a block um originally on this list i had la confidential a movie that when i was younger i really liked and it kind of like put a lot of films on my list that i hadn't seen for a long time and i came back to la confidential i'm like it's fine it's like the quintessential fine mm-hmm. movie that's a that's a curtis hansen movie right mm-hmm. Curtis Hansen's really good, was really he's dead right was really good yeah, yeah, yeah. at making fine movies. No disrespect to him, I like Confidential's fine, but you know, thirteen year old Mario loved the shit out of that movie. Thirty three year old Mario's like, oh, that's fine. Thirty seven year old Tom is eternally grateful that I do not have to watch Ellie Confidential again. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So I sat there going like, you know. I can't, I can't justify LA Confidential being on here, but this is high on the list. And like, I was sitting here going, like, what am I going to do? And brainworm happened. The thing that gets in your head, the movie you keep thinking about, the scene 
especially you keep thinking about, just buries itself in, and you find yourself judging other movies that recently came out to its quality and being like, why hasn't it reached that? Um, a movie from the year before that's going to show up uh, in about 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, if, well, a little more than 10 it's weeks. It's only gonna 10 some, weeks? We're going to do, bo- do some bonus episodes soon before then, but uh, in, 10, in 10 films is a, another really recent movie. Yeah. Uh, t- 2017 that did the same thing to me. Uh, but this film buried in my head because it operates on so many levels it is steve mcqueen's 2018 widows our husbands aren't coming back we're on our own my husband left me the plans for his next job all I need is a crew to pull it off. Why should we trust you anyway? Because I'm the only one standing between you and a bullet in your head. It's what I've learned from men like your late husband and my father is that you reap what you sow. Let's hope so. We're going to do the plot description again? I guess we have to, right? You could just do I mean, it's so, hard to ha- be quick, but... Harry Rollins and his gang steal $2 million from Jamal Manning. Um, they are then killed in a police standoff. Uh, Jamal wants his money back because he's using that to fund, help fund his uh, run for um, Alder in the Southside Chicago Ward uh, against Jack Mulligan. Um, yeah, Jack Mulligan. Jack Mulligan. I don't know. I, thought, I was like, Jack, John Mulligan? No, Jack Mulligan, uh, Colin Farrell. Um, he goes to the widows, uh, to Viola Davis, um, Demanding the money back. Um, demanding, you know, to, to get the money so that he can fund it um, at risk of her life. Um, so they plan a heist to get it back. But more importantly, this film is a incredible commentary on um, feminism, on, um, like, the power of a woman in, in, in kind of, like, the man's game sort of thing. Um indictment of town local democratic politics which rings so poignantly true I mean we can look at the Alderman race in this film and compare it to some of the anger and frustration right now in the mayoral race Um, some of the same kind of arguments and complaints of Mm -hmm. a quasi affluent white man versus a a black woman Um, I mean it's a white man versus a black man in this film but the New Haven mayoral race is a, um, I, you know, I just talking now about the opinions I had rewatching this and this film is better. It's, it's stronger than when we reviewed it last year. It's, it's, it's such a powerful movie mm-hmm. on so many levels. When it hits, it hits. Um, we talked before about how the heist is kind of like just the, the cherry on top. I, I kind of made the joke that kind of feels like Gillian Flynn was the, screenwriter behind the heist aspects because it has that I real think Julian I Flynn think that's punch. true though yeah um, I, 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 that's kind of like I, I never read anything about that like about that being the case but it like does I, yeah. feel like a Julian Flynn sort of I like I feel like tale. I did read that she, um, she did all have... the heist she inserted like a lot of the, the movement oh, yeah. like the plot movement and stuff like that where Steve McQueen was really heavy into I the see, politics and the I could see her doing a lot, of, was... a lot of like the kind of like feminist arguments because like Gone Girl um and Sharp Objects has, like, a lot of, like, strong mm-hmm. feminist takes in it. Um, 
but like it's it's a like the heist part of it's really frantic and fun to watch it's it that it it moves at at a great pace it's 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 a, one of the better kind of like caper films but it's um also- but it's way beyond that it's such a poignantly powerful film um i frequently cry at movies i'm in touch with my emotions ladies <laughs> um and when uh veronica and harry's son is killed in the um miscommunicate the the you know the, the cop killing mm. um done completely <laughs> by accident and incredibly poignant in in today's climate um although it's been kind of buried by the craziness that is today's climate um i i teared up because it's it's so powerfully masterfully shot um the first time i watched it and i rewatched it and i was like well i'm not gonna feel the same emotions but rewatching it it happened again mm-hmm. and it's just because steve mcqueen has a stranglehold on this film and that's the best way to describe it i think um he so eloquently crafts everything in this movie the the moments of levity um where alice is you know bidding on the car and the guy's trying to hit on her mm-hmm. um like it's it's put in there at a pulse rate to kind of like let you breathe from everything that's going around it in the moments of extreme tension where like Jatime is um Dr. Tim is um goes you know, kills those two guys who let the money be stolen from mm-hmm. them it's, it's such like a funny scene at first but then it just becomes utterly terrifying and tense as you realize what's happening um and just Daniel Kaluuya who fucking like we'll talk about the Oscar stuff or we talked about the Oscar stuff when we did the Oscar nominations our freakishly increased <laughs> views listens yeah. Oscar nominations episode listen guy in Tennessee <laughs> <laughs> Stop playing that episode. <laughs> I think it was a 12 more yesterday. It was a lot. Um, um, but that guy, he was fucking robbed because that's one of, like, we're talking top 20 performances. Well, that's... him and Brian Tyree Henry are in, I mean, everyone in this movie is great. Obviously, Elizabeth Debicki is my, like, uh, number, like, my number one supporting actress. Michelle Rodriguez is on the list, too. Brian Tyree Henry and Daniel Kaluuya were on that as well. Um, but they, they, the emotion that they lay onto these two characters is so complicated. It is so far beyond anything that anybody had kind of dared to do in a movie that um, is essentially this good and and like wanted to be popular. You know what I mean? Like this is not like a complicated movie. It's like it's kind of a I mean, standard. I guess issue. he wasn't really wrong. I, I... Forget about Richard E. Grant, but but, it's it, also, but the, the, those two are still on the, like the same level. But the, the 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 stakes are different. And like, yes, everything Richard E. Grant gave like a really lovely performance, but Daniel Kaluuya and Brian Tanner Henry were just like when he says when he's holding up the dog, he's like, "It's about my life." Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like I don't know. Whatever Richard Grant was doing, it wasn't at, while he was doing it. It wasn't about his life. You know what I mean, but I typically like fun. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But like the thing, so neither of these performances are any fun. They are heartbreaking. Yeah, like and even and when they're terrifi- not supposed to be terrifying. Yeah, like when Brian Tyree, like I had a sense when Brian Tyree Henry's holding that dog. 
that even Steve McQueen was off camera going, fuck, man, calm down. <laughs> you know, it, it has, like, an intensity to it. And Viola Davis plays so fucking well off of that. Like, mm-hmm. you really buy the fear in that moment. That's just, like, this movie feels, breathes, like, it's just so genuine. I mean, it feels... A- like, it's, you're not watching... A, it feels like a documentary at times, almost, because it feels so real. Well, the thing we were talking about at the time was that it feels like an, it feels like an expertly written novel. Yeah. Because there's so much happening, but... Which, I mean, like, I will say this. I like Gillian Flynn books. Yeah. I think she's a great writer. Um, the characters... It'd be really interesting to make a chart of, like, character development in this movie, because they're all moving, but they're all moving at different times, and they're all doing different stuff, and the impetus to, to change comes at a different time for every single one of them. And so, like, Viola Davis, you know, it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until, like, Elizabeth Debicki smacks her in the face. Um, where she's really trying to be a female version of her husband. She's trying to have, like, go into life, go into battle with the same kind of attitude. You know what I mean? Like, the coldness and, like, the authority and all this other stuff. Um, but she's... And that scene where... She's kind of decided that she's gonna like treat the rest of her life this way, um, and Brian Tyree Henry just comes in and, like breaks her fucking down. You know what I mean? And it's the dog that kind of like breaks her down, and then she tries to build herself back up, and then she kind of breaks down, and she tries to build herself back up. Um, but it's just it's all of those moments are just like breathtaking when these people just kind of like come apart, and even like the Colin Farrell character, he doesn't really come apart. He his feelings and even though he's in on the con you know what i mean the but he's kind of like forced it kind of you kind of get the sense that he's just like he's making choices for a different reason yeah. like he wants he doesn't want to do this stuff anymore no and he's decided to it's get in business. league with harry politics is a fucking business right so he doesn't have to do it anymore and that's what he kind of says to his dad he's like I, you know i want this to be over so i don't have to talk to people like you anymore um, and the million dollars that Harry was going to give him is so he doesn't have to talk to people like his dad anymore. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of what happens, it doesn't matter. Like, he's just can, he can move away from all of this shit and then just be done with it. Um, but it's all just stacked up. I think the, I mean, even the Liam Neeson character, like, who on first viewing I didn't really, like, feel very much about. But, like, the, like, I had to save me line when coupled with, like, all the weird privilege that's happening around him, like, he's not really just talking about, like, himself. He's talking about, like, the idea of himself, which is the same idea that Robert Duvall has, which is the same idea that uh, Colin Farrell is supposed to have, which is assumingly the same idea that all those douchebags and all those smoking rooms and stuff have about themselves, well, all those white guys. And that's what's great, is, like, is, is the fact that, like, on reviewing, you see how much privilege, like, that... Liam Neeson's Harry surrounded by. Yeah. They just doesn't give a shit. Like, you know, he's like, Marcus's death kind of like affected me too, and I just couldn't move on. And it's like, but like, it, it was a double whammy for Veronica in the sense of like, it's her son dying, and it's because her son was black, mm-hmm. you know, and that her blackness is what led to him being killed. And Harry only has the, the sadness of his son being dead, you know, but him being, you know, a piece of shit robber has nothing to do with his death his right. whiteness would have helped marcus right but so the fact that he's like i just couldn't handle it and i ran off with you know carrie coon um which is a weird casting choice she does so little in this movie and it's just like carrie coon's such a known name to have yeah, carrie yeah. coon do that role um she was good as a face in avengers infinity war and endgame 
she in those movies? Yeah, she's the. Um, uh, I don't know. She's one of the one of the the four Thanos people. What's her name? The Black Order. Oh, was she? She's. Oh yeah, yeah. She's a uh, okay. I know you're talking. What's about. her name? I don't know what her name is, but yeah, she's that's her. Um, but like just the fact that he's able to like just run on like I got a new life, blah blah blah, like that just reeks like everything reeks of that privilege, and mm. that's like you know that's so poignantly and well shown in that just one take, where you know Jack is just like done with it and gets in the, you know he's doing at the event for the um, women working for. Uh-huh. Was it uh, Wow and Wow? Yeah, yeah. Um, minority women on work or something like that. Um, you know, it gets in the car. It's it's in the kind of like a, a low class, lower class area, working working class mm-hmm. area, and drives during this one take where he's saying, "I can't do it," and his girlfriend kind of just fucking slash campaign manager just you know shits on it, like puts him in his place. Yeah. You know, man the fuck up sort of line. Um, and then he drives into the affluent area. You know, he, he doesn't see. He's like, oh, my life is so hard and everyone's so awful to me. But it's like, you don't know anything. Like, you don't feel, you don't have any sort of struggle that anybody has. Well, I mean, I, lo- I mean, that's, we were talking about that off um, off air. I mean, that's one of the great, that's one of the great modern film scenes. Um, but he doesn't, what's like, he doesn't packed with it. He doesn't want to. Like, he doesn't want to know what that feels like, but he's forced to kind of try to go. He's forced to pretend. He doesn't want to pretend either, so his dad was willing to pretend to hold on to power. And he doesn't really he's care not, about he's holding not, on to power yeah. because he doesn't give a shit. And he's not a racist like his dad. Right, like he's yeah. Like, he, isn't, he realizes he can't fix it. He realizes that he's powerless to fix it. You know, in a way, he kind of thinks like somebody like Jamal could fix it, you know, like or could be a step in the right direction to doing something about it. Well, that's why I love the fact that Jamal is also a criminal in a lot of ways because, but he also recognizes like, I can't be a criminal my whole life. Like, there's all there's also the. Was he say of, like I'm 37? I'm too yeah, old for this. There's also the talks of like the cutbacks and stuff like that. But the Mulligans have obviously been getting cutbacks for years. They have five million dollars worth of cash and cutbacks. Um, that they've been collecting that you know, you know Veronica and um, the green Alice the entire and, green and line. Steal. Yeah. Um, and what's so it's part of the system. He's not by saying he wants to be alderman and get cutbacks. He's not saying anything that isn't one hundred percent true of what like the Mulligans are doing. So, but he's gonna he's will do while he's doing all that stuff. He will do more for the people who need it. You know what I mean? Well, the Mulligans are just trying to stay in power for the sake of staying in power, surrounded by like a locked-in fence with right. a heavy he security wants system. To, well, not that heavy because Matt Walsh really. Matt Walsh really fucked that up. What they think of <laughs> a security um, system. He he's gonna he's gonna take that stuff. He's gonna take that to his to the actual streets of the actual people who need it. Yeah. He's gonna make a real change with it. And what's and what's great about this is like you you know, it's 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 an indictment just to kind of like the democratic process, especially in the level of politics. It's it doesn't go like, oh, you know, Jack Mulligan's the Republican and you know You know what I'm saying? It's it's not yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, they're both like on the same Let's call it the right side of yeah. politics. <laughs> they are. Well, that's the thing. They are, but like the but, way. But they they're. Go... But they both like don't have the fear of showing the fact that they're both inherently corrupt, and it's like everyone's dirty. You know, everyone. Nobody in this film is is clean at all. Everyone's. Everyone has. Everyone has. Everyone's so well crafted that they're. Nobody's truly a villain. Even Jatem, who like, you know, 
fucking mercilessly kills two people but makes them rap for him first mm-hmm. beatbox and rap for him when he's like driving off and smiling and like listening to the debate like you feel good for him and he's you feel a bad, so happy for he's him a yeah. bad guy and when he dies you feel really sad because you're like oh this was a really intelligent dude well, they had who a- at some point maybe would have turned everything around and he didn't get that chance to. And the, right and that's the thing so that for a very and he didn't know that they killed um, Robert Duvall at that point so what you get to see on his face there is the knowledge that for a second they had a chance. Yeah. He's listening to his brother like deliver a speech about like how like, you know, the and same thing we're if talking it was, about. If Robert Duvall didn't die, like Jamal's probably gonna win. He's gonna win. Yeah. And he that's the thing. So as far as he's concerned, he's not dead. They and they have two they have all this money, and his brother's kicking Jack Mulligan's ass in the debate he's gonna win. They're gonna do it. You know what? Like and the best part about this movie is that like, all these little things like, I didn't notice that Jatem was reading a book when he killed those two guys. You know what I mean? Mm. He's got the book in his hand. I don't know what book it is. But the fact that he's reading a book, he's so resistant when we first meet him to the idea of, like, doing anything outside of their normal way of, the prototypical, of doing yeah. business. Um, but he's... But the thing, so that's where the character growth comes for him. Because it's he still has to do the things that he has to do. But he is understanding that to go this other way means something drastically different and drastically better. And it's, and it's going to change everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Yeah. And that's the thing. And the thing about this movie is it's like all, all it's, it's sad in a lot of ways. I get somewhat of a slightly uplifting ending with, you know, Veronica and Alice meeting up, but like it is, it's all about opportunity cut mm. off. Like, er, like, just destroyed early, you know. Like, Jack is stuck being his dad again, you know. Um, Jamal stuck being a criminal. Jatem's dead. Marcus is dead. You know, like, all, like all this possibility and opportunity. Yeah, there are some. There's some pluses like reopening the store, but they're in the same place they were because it's like this weird, sad, awful cycle. Mm. Yeah, we kind of talked about that when we originally did the review. And that's a key thing here is that it is it is cyclical and like you get out of it but you don't really yeah. get out of it. You maybe take a you maybe take a step forward but you maybe like get the horn on your belt. But uh, you know, you're still you're still looking after the tower. That's I mean that's that's what it is. Yeah. I think that's what they're talking about here. That's a wink at Tom. This is this is a, this is a <laughs> Tom smiled when I made a dark tower. Did you see the now. beam? Did you see it? It's, a, it's there. <laughs> The whole thing. Yeah, Matterin was, was <laughs> coughing up a universe. But no, um, the talk, I just want to talk about this. Just, just the, the thing that makes this movie is that, for me, we're, we're talking about great scenes. Um, and this was my like number one scene of, the, of last year. That Marcus's death is one of the most powerful scenes in film ever. But here's the thing. So let's do real quick, um, because we've got Nachos waiting for us. Yes, so there's, there is... There's obviously a, like emotional attachment to it, but I have like my own feelings about like why it works so well without having to literally do anything, because we we see Marcus one time, yeah, and it's like the scene when he dies, and that scene's only like maybe two minutes long, maybe, yeah, maybe. I think that it starts at like the very beginning of the movie. And I know it was like one of the things that Armand White like really like railed against was like that opening scene where like Liam Neeson and Viola Davis are like eating each other's faces off, but there's an instant juxtaposition between white and black there 
You know what I mean? So that all the backstory we get with them, like them having conversations like post Marcus's death, and it kind of goes backwards. You know what I mean? Where no. they have the conversation about like, you know, if maybe if he was white, like oh, you know, all that. They're kind of blaming their race, blaming her race for like what happened to Marcus. Um, you have like from the very opening shot, like even though the movie is not like about race, like the movie's like one hundred percent about race. No, it's about race. You know it's I mean? about it's about gender. It's about class. It's just it. it but does everything so tightly, and like I I wonder. It I don't know what people missed <laughs> that it got so forgotten. Because I think I don't think it was cool enough. It is so cool. It's no, so slick. We think it's cool and slick. It's but it super also, sleek looking. But it also stinks. Like it's, that's a lot of black. Well, it, it stinks like emotionally. Hang, yeah, yeah. Like, it you sucks don't want to hang out. Yeah, you don't. Spot. No, yeah. Because it's real. It's so like it's like throwing every actual thing happening in this world in your face, like domestically, like, in terms of major urban areas mm-hmm. at the very least. Um, well, just in, in the United States, like throwing that shit in your face and going like, "This is a, this is fucking." real and like this is a problem yeah because the real democrat sucks the you know jamal even though like he seems cool you know what i mean also looks murderer. like he's gonna cry yeah through like most of the movie and he's also still a murderer like he doesn't Jitem- have any problem any problems like almost killing a dog basically yeah, he's still a piece of shit he's like, dressed up cool you know what i mean he moves smooth he's got a cool face but he's also too scary like he's also been like hardened by like the world that he's been that he's been living in you know what i mean like most of the time when you see like like people that have been hardened like in training day you know what i mean they live in like filth and they've got guns yeah. all over the place and they're playing cards and they have crazy mustaches and stuff these are just two <laughs> normal... crazy mustaches is that what you well there's that like, one guy in that one scene where they go to the <laughs> house when when they're playing cards he's like, Duper! And there's that one guy who's got like that Old school like Western Fu Manchu sort of thing. Yeah, or? Um, there's none. Of I haven't that, seen Training Day in years. None of that is here. You yeah, know what I mean, all that's gone. These are just fucking actually people. normal people who are broken down on on one level or another. And like, yes, they build themselves back up. But like you said, they build themselves back up to a point, and it's not so high that you leave the theater going like, "Oh, I'm happy for them." You're like, you "Oh no, like, this well, is they're, they're, okay. they're back where they started, but they have like, some money." Yeah. Like, all right, I don't. I mean, literally, like you know, Linda just literally reopens her store. She's back where she she was. <laughs> and you have to also have to imagine, that, like Jamal's still got a crew of guys. He's still a criminal. He has to assume. Where's I, I suppose maybe he could assume where the money went. I don't know. Something's gonna ha- like it's not like nothing's gonna happen in Chicago after that. You know what I mean? Something's gonna happen. I don't know what it is. They don't. They don't. It, it doesn't matter really what it is. But, like, even the face that, like, Veronica makes at Alice at the end of the movie, you're just like, they don't show Alice responding to it, probably because it doesn't last very long. You know what I mean? No, it's, 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 a, a, gra- it's, a, gradu- it's a graduate out. ending. Yeah. It's, it's, if, you, if the camera stayed there, they'd, they'd both, like, stop, stop smiling. Yeah, if it's in there for one more minute, maybe we see her frown because Alice gets in her car and leaves because that was the point of this whole thing. Yeah. It's not about making friends. It's about just, like... Writing a wrong and moving on with our lives. I do have to say though, rewatching this, um, Elizabeth Becky's just fucking awesome in this. Oh my god, just ridiculous. I felt the same way. What? Yeah, like, and she's still. I mean, I really like Katie Carter in, in 
um, Vox Lux. Mm-hmm. Or not Vox, and, uh, sorry, Private, um, private In Private Life. Life. Um, like, that's still, like, my top performance mm-hmm. of last year, but, like, in a movie that's just so full of amazing performances, um, like, DeBecky kind of, like, is so magnetic in this. Like, that's my thing about this movie. When you talk about, like, the perfect-ish movie, like, the movie where it's, mm-hmm. like, find a flaw... I was watching this hard to find that. I don't know what I'd change in this. Mm-mm. Nothing. I mean, it's got. I mean, we so we we're gonna do a list, folks, by the end of the year in December sometime of our each top twenty. We'll do it in two different episodes. Yeah. Top twenty favorite movies of the last twenty years. Not and, and um, movies. Objectively, movies, well, well, yeah, movies we think were the best. We're not the, gonna do like our favorite. We're not do, pivotal like, or anything. It's just what we think are the best. What movies. do we think are the best crafted movies? Some I, movies I don't even like really enjoy. Are I be guarantee on the list. you, we will have completely different lists in most of the in most things. This will one hundred percent be on my list. That's gonna be on mine too. So I mean, it's I don't know good. where, but it will be on it. Yeah, we're both going to have that movie on our list. It wasn't, just, and that's the thing. This wasn't my number one movie of the It was my number two movie of the year. But it's 100% a better movie than Blaze. Like, objectively speaking, it's a way better and movie I wonder, than Blaze. I wonder if that's the problem. Is it? Like, was the fact that it got overlooked, was it because it was too good and that people, like, wanted... Like, I hate to say that, but it just... It's so fucking clean. I just think it's the same thing I think that happens with 12 Years I think 12 Years of Slave I mean I got recognized and stuff like that but 12 Years of Slave fucking hurts and all of us all of Steve the, McQueen's movies hurt. You have the distance He has to do a Disney Plus movie yeah. next. You have the he's going to direct all the episodes of season 2 of The Mandalorian. No he's um, he's going he's going to he's going <coughs> to redo the Shaggy DA. What's the Shaggy DA? It's a 1970s um Disney movie about a dog that is a district attorney. Oh, nice. Yeah, he'll do that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's just too... So you have the... With, with the 12 Years of Slave, you have the distance of history. You know what I mean? He's throwing oh, I thought, this... He's I, thought throwing he had, I thought he would have something coming out. He doesn't... Yeah. No, he's going to be one of those guys. Like Paul Thomas Anderson now. We're going to check their Wikipedia page every so often just to see, like, is there something in production? Oh, no, there's not, of course. He's going to be an every five years guy. Yeah. Um... He's too busy. Now looking, he's not giving too busy looking really for good. Windows, he's not giving you the distance of history anymore. He's throwing current events back in your stupid face. He's pointing at you too and yeah. saying like, "Some part of this is your like you are some part because he he it's everybody. Like Alice is still kind of like we like Alice has built some strength, but there's still like an argument against her kind of like weakness. Weakness they're to not, her mother. They're not resolved. Like yeah. none of the women in the movie have resolved themselves to be. The perfect version of themselves. They don't, and that, that's not, not the idea. Insane, there's no like crazy film growth. There's no unrealistic growth of character of film. It, there's there's a, a step forward, perhaps, but like it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. It leaves you feeling bad. There's a you don't step, feel good because you're like, oh, this is, is real. Yeah, there's a step out of the place that they were into a different place, but that place is not like the final version of the the person that they're supposed to be. You know what I mean? And so that in and of itself is more true to life. You know what I mean? That has some nuance to it. It's not going to give you like the big ending emotion, even though you like it kind of seems like it does. Um, but if you think about it for 10 seconds, like um, it, it, you know, it doesn't. It just doesn't. And that's why I, it's one of the reasons I love Michelle Rodriguez is because Michelle Rodriguez never looks happy. And she says that line. She's like, yeah. do you guys know what prison looks like? You know what it looks like in the inside of prison. She knows, and she knows that this isn't over. 
she all she's like the one person who's kind of resigned herself to like all right i'll do it again but like i also know that this is not this is not finished i keep forgetting steve mcqueen did win best director bums me out for 12 years a slave yeah Fonzo Cuaron one for Gravity. Steve McQueen's career has been a real bummer for me because he keeps making these movies like Hunger and Shame, 12 Years a Slave. Um, and this is the only McQueen movie that pops up on my list, but I love all four of those movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like one of those directors where like if you said to me he had four Best Director like, Oscars, I'd be like, yeah, okay. That's well, cool. he's got one nomination, right? He has, He has an Oscar. For picture, he's producer. On, yeah, producer. On but that. but yeah, he doesn't have like yeah. Does he know? Did do we think we could? Do, do you think he could make a bad movie? Like, do you think that's in his like, possible for him? Or do you think he'd make a movie yeah. that was so good, I think, so bad that it then became good? I think he would make a movie that's even more widows and widows. And I don't mean like because we think widows is kind of like perfect. I don't mean he'd make a perfect movie, but it might be so tightly controlled that it kind of stops feeling um, like a like a work of art anymore. It starts feeling like a like a play or something, or I, like something that's like strangled to death doesn't have any soul anymore. Maybe he makes something with no soul, and it just kind of, kind of, kind of like a Martin McDonald did with three billboards at, at, at points. But that, at points, I've decided I've replaced the soul with irony, so uh, you know I'm yeah. okay with that. I don't think McQueen would replace the soul with irony. It would just be like or he can a make soulless. He could make he a can, movie. He could make a movie so tough that you just don't enjoy. It's watching a little it. bit like what Nolan went through with Dunkirk, where Dunkirk didn't have any soul anymore. It was just hard to watch. Yeah, it was all technique for two hours of like you feeling like you were gonna drown, and like that's kind of cool. Did we we didn't review that on this podcast, right? No, because no, that's 2017. To, yeah, we just went to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, with all the other we reviewed, it, we reviewed it at, uh, at Side Street. Yeah. Um, part of the Side Street Lost Tapes. We, <laughs> But it's kind of like that. He'll make a movie that's all technique and no heart. And then it'll just kind of be like, well, I can appreciate that. The sound mixing was good in that. You know what I mean? Like, Or the visual effects were cool. But that's it. Or, you know, or, or he'll make something like Breaking the Waves where it's amazing. But at the same time, you're just like, fuck, come on. I don't want to watch. <laughs> I don't know if he'll. I don't. I feel like if he was going to do that, I mean, he kind of did that with like the Fassbender character and and Lupita Nyong'o well, in Twelve Years a yeah. Slave, where he was no. just like, "Hey, guess what? I'm going to beat the shit out of this woman for a long time, and he's going to really like it." So, yeah, that's happening now. I mean, that's that's a rough movie. It's t- oh, it's horrible. If it wasn't for the cinematography, like this, and but the Brad it's, Pitt. it's so juxtaposed by the cinematography. Yeah, the Brad Pitt character is a little problematic. I thought. Um, the cinematography in that is like the thing that works to make you like, like some of the shots are just so gorgeous in that, but they're necessary to make you well, not feel fucking destroyed. I don't understand how else he's going to do it. And I actually feel like it makes it worse because it's like there's this whole, this country full of mornings like this. And then this is you just you, turn this your you head, decide to there's do. just people hanging from fucking trees and shit. Yeah. I mean, and we're oversimplifying this stuff, but I feel like that's one of the gifts of Steve McQueen is that he's not just going to give you the easy answer. He's, or he's not going to give you the easy thing to feel. He's going to give you the really hard thing to feel. And I think a lot of people resented that about 12 Years a Slave. They're like, I don't want to feel well, They probably this. resented that about Widows. And, yeah. And, I mean, I guess Hunger and Shame worked easier because, like, people could be detached from it. Yeah. Like, that's like, oh, that's somebody. I, this is tough, but that's not my problem. I don't want to feel this bad watching a heist movie. 
Yeah. Like, David Mamet didn't make me feel this bad. I just got Gene Hackman and Ricky Jay quipping the whole time. Delroy Lindo. You're talking about the movie Heist? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I want out of a heist movie. Whatever happened to Delroy Lindo? I haven't seen him recently. He's, a little, he's not dead, right? I like I Delroy so. Lindo a lot. Where'd he go? Harold Bloom died. I know, I'm sad about that. Yeah. Not, like, too sad. Yeah, like, but guy. I liked Harold Bloom. But, um... But no, I mean, that's it. Maybe it's just like Steve McQueen makes such tough movies that like people, they like, they, they find reasons to dislike them. Hmm. This is great. So. Windows, Windows is perfect. If, if you haven't seen Windows, you have to see Windows. It's on HBO right now. If you have a, an account. Oh, I thought you were saying like right now. As we're recording this, if you turned on HBO, it would be like 30 minutes in. Might be. You never know. There'd be some uh some guys locked in a locked in a box rapping. Oh, that's a good scene. It ends badly, but it's it's a great <laughs> it's kind scene. Of, it's kind of widows. It's a great scene. Ends badly. Yeah, Just, but that's like the if you want to know that's the four word. Sorry, that's the four word review for widows. Great scene. Ends badly. Ends badly. <laughs> um, also, another possible title of this episode. There you go. Teenage fueled orgasm or great scene ends, ends badly. badly. Um, yeah. If you have strong opinions about widows, and if you don't like widows, well, me and you are never going to be friends. But you can also tweet us at pivotal twitter dot com slash film pivotal, uh, or you can send us an email to pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail dot com, or you can go to pivotalfilm dot com and send us a message there, or see uh, the movies that are on our lists, or listen to the beers that we drink. Or how to subscribe to the podcast, or how to get to our Twitter account if you really have a problem with that. Um, I don't know what this, what's, the, this I, is. The fucking week, man. I don't know. I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is. No one's got anything coming from next for next week. Wait, they have. They released it. What schedules have been released? No, it hasn't. And yeah, it's always tomorrow. No, sometimes it's earlier. If they know what it's going to be, it's going to be earlier. So we were talking about this. So I was reading an article about this. They do not know what they want to do with Parasite yet. They have no idea how they want to release it. Because it's kicking ass in like its limited yeah, releases. it got three screens and like released in a like, and it, got, it, like almost four hundred thousand dollars like a screen or like a showing or whatever. Um, they are not sure they want to rush this out. They may <sighs> want to slow burn it. What? What? Lighthouse isn't that Criterion. It's not. I thought Lighthouse is getting a wide release. No, it's next it's the week after. We'll talk about this next 18th. Day. Oh, no, it's, the, it's this week. It's supposed to be this week. No, no, but it's going to come out later. We'll talk about this next week. All right, so if uh, go see a movie. But Lighthouse. <laughs> go see a movie, drink a beer, and we'll talk to you next week. Lighthouse.